Hello, hello. This is Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing at Megan Powers on the Twitter. Welcome to Making a Marketer. Hello, this is Jen Cole, co-founder of Depict Media and community manager for Social Media Examiner at Jen Cole ICT on Twitter and Instagram. And welcome to Making a Marketer. I'm Elizabeth Glau, Product Marketing Manager for Sciencio, maker of EventBots. You can find me at Elizabeth Glau. Welcome to Making a Marketer. Okay, I have two killer guests. We have two killer guests today. One um, will be familiar to you. She's been on a couple times before. And the other is a newbie. So our topic today is what is up with being a digital nomad? What what it's like and you know, gonna try to share some info from an old pro, a veteran, if you will. Not old, sorry. <laughs> and a newbie, somebody who's freshly becoming a digital nomad. So our guests today are Damian Ross, the vet, and Amanda Robinson, the rookie. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So first we'll show sponsor and then I'll introduce our guests and then we'll we'll roll into it. So our episode today is sponsored by Powers of Marketing. We provide strategic marketing, communication, consulting, and execution to help our clients increase brand awareness and sales. So, all right, Damien, I'll introduce him first and then I'll give you a chance if I left anything out or all that good stuff. So sales and marketing professional, he has over 20 years of sales and marketing experience specializing in digital media, social engagement, public outreach, and creating quality content. Right now, he works full-time business development for Social Media Examiner. And then Amanda Robinson, this is her third time on the show. And I know it won't be the last, for sure. A show favorite, for sure. She's owner of Social Savvy Society, digital marketing services and strategy from Facebook ads and chatbots. Hot, hot topic to social media content strategy. She'll help you increase your digital footprint. She's making business life easier for the less digitally savvy and for small business and real estate. So I'm so excited to have you guys on. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. And thanks for having me back for a third time. You girls really are crazy. Uh Awesome. Okay. So I want to real quick say like being a digital nomad, some people might not be familiar with the terms. And there's an entrepreneur article that I'll put in the show notes that it indicated that there should be about 1 billion digital nomads by the year 2035, which is pretty remarkable. And the way they put it is being a digital nomad means the flexibility for workers to live life on their own terms and not be bound by the confines of an office or strict work hours. And we'll dig into that with the questions that we have. So my first question is kind of funny because we rescheduled this four times or something. And some of that timing change had to do with time change, time not being changed on one's laptop and kind of how you do that. So I want my first question for you guys is working in different time zones and switching between places and still managing your work and scheduling with folks who are in other areas. I'm going to start with Damien because I think I know what Amanda's answer is going to be. <laughs> Damien, how do you how do you deal with that? What do you do? You know what? Usually I'm pretty much in the same time zone for a while, but there are times. So I ran into almost a similar situation as what Amanda will probably talk about is that I was scheduling a bunch of stuff, you know, on Pacific Standard Time. And then I was going to end up being in the Eastern Time for those meetings. And it's not, there's not really a, a calendar that'll say, hey, don't forget when next week you'll be Eastern Time. So it happens to me too. And it's awful when it's in the reverse. I almost had the same situation when I was in Cleveland. I scheduled the call and I'm thinking 8 a.m. Well, it's no big deal. You get back here into Oregon, 5 a.m. is a bit... If I'm not putting a wetsuit on at 5 in the a.m. in the morning, I don't <laughs> want to be doing anything. I, I'm with you, sleeping. So Amanda, how do you handle How do you combat this? I know you're in the process of trying to figure it out. What, what do you think? Well, just to preface this, I already have a really serious issue with space and time. And that includes calendars and scheduling. That's just sort of automatically an issue that I've been dealing with in my life. And so I put in a lot of digital resources to try and help support me with that, including having a calendar and having lots of reminders and lots of digital little markers here and there to help keep me on track. And just knowing that I'm just starting this digital nomad journey. So in the past, having a really, really 
solid system and a routine helps me keep everything straight. And I, I triple check everything. I get an email from Google every single morning at 5am with my entire calendar, what I'm supposed to be doing that day. And now starting to skip around time zones is really throwing me right off kilter. It's going to be easier. This was an anomaly because my digital nomad journey isn't going to be jumping on an airplane and flying all over the place. It's going to be in my car with my dog and my kayak and my laptop. And so any time zone change is going to be a slow moving event. But in this case, unfortunately, with skipping from Eastern all the way over to Pacific time and back again, same kind of issue that Damien experienced. Like It's just hard to flip your brain over. So when you go to schedule something, you're so programmed to schedule it in your native time zone. And then when you realize, uh-oh, like, wait, what time am I catching that flight? Wait, what time is this podcast scheduled for? Oh no, wait. And you second guess yourself. And it's the second guessing when you're tired on top of the travel, that's where it gets you. Totally. <laughs> All right. That's a good answer. And then, you know, maybe if you get yourself a virtual assistant, that might help out. <laughs> I think once I get back on track with my new routines, I think a virtual assistant is definitely in my future. Yeah. So if you don't have a virtual assistant, something I've been trying to do, I don't travel enough, but I'm getting to the point where I think every time I schedule something, I almost have to add the time zone to it, right? To make sure, like just getting in the habit, I think even if you are in, in the same time zone most of the time, I think that can help if you are switching between time zones. Like in the subject of the... Yeah, like, like, Well, and it depends on which email or like which calendar tool you're using. But yeah, like, so for even, you know, Google Calendar, if you're scheduling it, you just have to click an extra field that says time zone and then say like, oh, okay, I want this to be 8 a.m. Eastern or whatever, or like 8 a.m. Pacific. So just getting in the habit of doing that, I think I might have to do that more myself. I think too, if you are traveling a ton, doing that like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. kind of Eastern time is kind of your your standard. You'll always be safe if you're bouncing back and forth. So if you take those five hours and you say to yourself, this is when I'm going to be scheduling, especially my calls, then I think you're okay. You'll be, you know, if you end up scheduling something at 11 a.m. Eastern, you get back into Pacific, 8 a.m. is not that bad. It's just the reverse kind of working through that. If you schedule something... 7 p.m. Eastern, it's not terrible if it ends up being 4 p.m. Pacific. So you're kind of solid. That's a good That's a good idea too, for sure. Yeah. I don't do a lot of quick travel like that. So yeah. I'm a 10 a.m. diva. I don't care what time zone I'm in. I'm not doing a call before 10 a.m. local time. <laughs> you're my style, Amanda. That is awesome. I'm kind of the same way. I like to get my stuff done and ease into the day. And then 10 sounds okay to start talking to the people, right? <laughs> so speaking about talking to people, um, I want to talk about networking on the road. So you both go to so many different places. So um, how have you taken advantage of the perk to grow your network on your, you know, on the road? So Amanda, I want to start with you. So growing my network on the road, first and foremost, I am a Facebook communicator. Facebook is my jam. It's my platform. It's where I make all of my money. And it is where I spend the majority of my time because I need to. So that's where you're going to find me. And when I when I meet someone new for the first time, my first question is when, when I want to connect with them, not, hey, can I have your business card? Or, hey, take my business card. It's, hey, are you on Facebook? Let's get connected. And then I connect with that person right there on the spot. And when you have a new Facebook connection, uh, you show up pretty um, prominently with the algorithm. So that person will start to see my content right away for the first week or so. And it helps build that bridge, that gap of familiarity. And, and I've met some incredible people that way, but it's not the business card that you take home and then forget to action or you forget who gave it to you or why they even gave it to you. It's a much deeper connection right out of the gate. And I've found that that has built some incredible, incredible networking experiences for me. Yeah, that can be very powerful. And I think that a lot of the times it can also add context to how you know the person, like your mutual friends and things like that. So that's very, very helpful. Awesome. What about you, Damien? So I'm kind of in an interesting situation that I've only lived in New York, Boston, and Los Angeles. And so I've always lived in big cities. So part of my digital nomad lifestyle is not being in big cities. So there's not really the face-to-face -face networking that you would think in this travel kind of lifestyle. I know Amanda is basically traveling in a toaster. So she'll be able to go anywhere. But I'm traveling. <laughs> like I have a mobile condo that I'm taking. My rig is 40 feet long just by itself. So even when people are like, hey, come stay in my driveway, I'm like, no, you don't get it. It's like, I can't come and hang in your driveway. I'm in St. Paul, Oregon right now as a population of 450. I had more people on my football team in high school than they have in this entire town. So... <laughs> But what I will say is I will steal from Amanda is that, you know, in the last 181 days, I've created a video every day. And that has really made my networking like kind of blow up in a way. It's me creating those relationships online, but using 
kind of my backdrops and my backgrounds to create some pretty unique kind of content. So that's been a big help. But I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm in this rig 8 to 14 hours a day. It's not like, you know, I mean, I know when we started this call, you know, Amanda was even outside in the back of the backyard, which is a great place to work. And, you know, for me, a lot of times that just doesn't make it with the internet. I can't do that. I have to stay within like eight feet of kind of my router inside the rig. So I don't have a lot of the face-to-face that I thought I would have because of this lifestyle. So I'm still very much dependent on social to build those relationships. We should have had you both explain how your digital nomadness is working. So you're you're in a motorhome and you're no, no, no. Hey, around uh-huh. the I'm not, I'm not, I'm not retired. Okay. So that wearing his grandpa's sweater. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. So I got rid of basically everything leading up to June 1st, 2017. I bought a uh, 40 foot, what's called a fifth wheel. So the really the main portion of the truck sits in the bed of a truck where it's not like bumper towed and it doesn't have an engine. It's basically 400 square feet, like condo. I mean, it's beautiful. Like most people, when they come in, they're like, this is what you're living in. So very much what people would refer to glamping, but uh, you know, I'm living in it full time. It's a condo on wheels. Done 25 states, 25,000 miles. Been doing it whatever year and whatever that is, four months right now. And I've been thinking about slowing it down just because it's hard to build a routine. But you know, I think once you're in airports and hotels and Airbnbs, you're kind of like, you know what, I want to keep doing this. This is the way to go. So that's what I'm doing. And Amanda's kind of doing the opposite. Yeah. Well, and just real quick. So you yeah. have, I, I wondered about this, a mobile router. How does that work? Yeah. So I have two actually. So I have a Verizon hotspot that it's your standard, you know, like hotspot that battery operated. But I also purchased what really looks like your standard home Wi-Fi. So I just slip the chip in and out. So usually it's plugged in and it gets a lo- much stronger signal. I also have an AT&T Mobily, which is unlimited. Verizon is pretty expensive. It's like $250 a month. My AT&T Mobily is like $20 a month. But AT&T isn't the strongest connection across the states. Like Between having Verizon and AT&T, you're pretty much covered. But the Verizon... And to get unlimited and have it be really unlimited... Oh, but here's a little tip. If you are doing Digital Nomad and you're staying out of big cities, they throttle you where things are crowded. So in St. Paul, this isn't crowded. I mean, this... That's probably all they're doing is online because there's nothing to do here in this town. But even with that, it's not throttled the way you would be in Chicago if you were over your data of 20. It's unlimited. You only get 22 gigs. You won't get throttled in this lifestyle if you're staying in small cities, which is great. Gotcha. And it's St. Paul, Oregon. Right, not Minnesota. Just for- yeah, I just I made fun of that. Hey, you know that's funny. Watch today, one eighty one. I make fun of that. Like, why can't cities have their own names? We have so many names. Why do you? Would you? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's like I got screwed on that whole speaking and you know Lima thing. It turned out to be Lima. Right. <laughs> thought I was going to Peru. No. <laughs> Check the spelling, uh, folks. Peru, Ohio. <laughs> Amanda, and, and what's your deal is? All right. So my setup is similar with using a data hub. It runs off the cellular network. But being in Canada, I have some other challenges in that we don't even have an unlimited option. I have a maximum of 100 gig that I can use. And I get charged... Uh, that I pay a pretty penny just for that 100 gig. And then I get charged $5 per gigabyte that I go over that 100 gig. And just to put that in perspective, that's in a month. And in a month, I run an online business. I do the majority of my client calls are via Zoom, via you know live streaming, face-to-face online. And when you're using Zoom, it's like watching Netflix. So it's almost like the equivalent of watching a Netflix movie all day long. So I can chew through 100 gig in data within a month. So I have to be somewhat conservative with it and make sure that I'm flipping onto adequate Wi-Fi when I have free Wi-Fi available. And I use speedtest.net to check my upload and download speeds for live streaming. You need a minimum of 3 megabyte to have smooth calls. And I seem to be averaging somewhere around 2.5. And then on top of that, this is where it gets a little more interesting than what Damien has on the go. I'm getting myself set up to be able to work from my laptop literally from the middle of the bush. So sleeping in a tent. So I have, I've purchased, I call it a generator, but it's actually not a generator. It's just a giant lithium battery that looks like a generator. And that can hold about six charges of my laptop. It can power small appliances and it can basically get me through a single day of working. So it, it can power my Wi-Fi router and it can power my laptop and it can power like a little kettle or anything else that I need. And then I can charge that in my vehicle throughout the day as I'm driving, or I can charge it if I'm staying at an Airbnb, I can just charge it throughout the day while I'm there. So it's a little bit of a dirty setup, but mm-hmm. it's it's a contingency plan. It's not meant to be my primary source of Wi-Fi and my primary source of power. 
but I am just getting myself covered so that as I'm traveling, I don't have any dead zones where I'm, I'm caught without internet. Now, with that said, um, actually, Damien was the one that put me onto this app that helps you check what the Wi-Fi coverage... Or not Wi-Fi, sorry, the cellular network coverage is in the area. And that's really important. And that having to take that into account as I'm planning my trip and planning my route is making sure that I'm not sticking myself in a zone without cellular signal because then I don't have any Wi-Fi and I can't work. Right. What's the name of that app? Shoot, I recommend it. Hold on. Yeah, look it up. And then Amanda, so you're you mentioned that you have a car and a rack on your car and your kayak and your dog. And so you're planning on making your way across Canada and then down to the US, yeah? Yeah, I don't have my final route picked out yet. I know that I need to be in Arizona in late October. So I have a little bit of time to either go all the way across Canada and then south, or I can cut south, take my time and then cut up the coast and head out to Vancouver. I don't have any real solid place I have to be outside of that. So it's just a matter of Trying not to end up where it's freezing cold and snowing, which it is already snowing in Alberta at nighttime. Just FYI. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the app's called Open Signal. That makes sense. It's pretty decent, but I mean, there are a lot of really good resources in regards to the digital nomad lifestyle. And one of the that is like like Campendium, let's say, is a great kind of just tool and website. But a lot of people aren't giving accurate information on internet. I've been to places and been like booked a two week and get there and the coverage is terrible. And it makes me like need to move basically, but I'm already locked in for two weeks. So it is really hit and miss. I mean, really internet is the number one. And I think Amanda's going to learn that too. If you have to work on the road, the number one thing you're looking for is internet. My number two is water. I want to be able to put my kayak and pedalboard in the water as well. But the number one is internet. But a good backup here in the States is least is there's usually a Starbucks, even in small towns. You're going to be able to find a Starbucks or a public library or some sort of free Wi-Fi nearby. I missed the days, what was it, like five years ago that nobody had passwords on their Wi-Fi? You just walk around and just use other people's Wi-Fi. Now everyone's passworded it up. And God123 is a great way to get on people's you know, Wi-Fi. Just you know, <laughs> Everyone has God123. Or <laughs> John 316. John 316. Oh. Especially if you're in like the Bible Thump area, boom, you're on everyone's Wi-Fi. Hot tips today. You guys are, you guys are yeah. on a roll. Get on it. America. I love it. So besides a uh, condo on wheels or a you know tent on the top of my car, do you guys know about any other resources for how somebody can affordably stay in a different city or a different country you know, for an extended period of time? Maybe hostels. I mean, I mean hostels will work for some people, but yeah, what else I mean, you got? Amanda can talk about hostels. But one of the things I recently found out that I kind of like is... So there's two. There's the, something called Boondockers Welcome. So if you have... Any kind of vehicle, there's people that have their land, they'll let you stay on for up to three days. I think after three days, you can kind of squat. So after three days, you got to go, but it's free. It's an annual fee, like 30 bucks, and they have these spots. Now, it's really hard for me to find spots again because my rig is so big. Let me say that again because my trailer is so big. Still came out bad. All right. So it just, uh, it's it's long. Ooh, it's getting worse. Okay. So, but Amanda, <laughs> we're all on mute. So you couldn't hear us laughing. So I just that's had right. like, no, that's fine. No, I can see you guys cracking up. So, um, but Amanda is going to be able to use that everywhere because, you know, just she being in a small car. The other thing is, is I'm learning that like hot vacation spots are super cheap in the off season. So if you don't mind being somewhere where now let's just real quick, we'll talk about North Carolina. I know they just went through a huge storm, but that was kind of on my radar to be in the OBX November, December, January, and February because the rates would be so little. And for someone like Amanda, who's coming out of a winter where it's, you know, negative freeze to death and go down to where it's like 60 like 60 is like tank top weather for canadians so <laughs> for sure that's where, yeah, that's where it can really work out well so if you move around from places that aren't like hot spots like you just being in palm springs when it's 129 is going to be much better than being in palm springs when it's 80 degrees so just look for the seasonal and get it there in the off season i feel like is a way to actually travel and live pretty cheap around the country if you want to now, let's just throw it out there, though. With me being a Canadian citizen, I can't spend an indefinite amount of time traveling in the United States where it is warmer. So I have you need to, to get married of... up to an American, Amanda. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to travel accordingly. And I know that heading up to Vancouver, they don't get a lot of snow right down in Vancouver. They get a lot of rain, not a lot of snow. So I think the winter months, spending my time out on the West Coast is the smarter move. And then doing different travel stints down into the States, into the warmer States for periods of time, and then skipping my way back up and kind of moving through winter in that way. 
But circling back around to Elizabeth's question about resources for, for people who are traveling, if you follow the hashtag van life on pretty much any platform, this isn't glamping to the same degree as people who have a really fancy tricked out with all the amenities in it. So following the hashtag van life, it's not quite the same glamour as you know, a, a really expensive $75,000 sprinter van with all the luxuries and, and amenities. But you can get some really good ideas on site locations and on some of the little hacks that will help you with traveling. Even from, you know, how to how to pack and organize your items, how to pack your toiletries bag for when you hit a rest stop and are able to run in and you know, actually use a shower somewhere. You know, those those types of resources are the things I'm paying attention to. The other less glamorous side of things, depending on where you're traveling, where you're at in your trip, Walmart, Walmart parking lots. Walmart allows people to sleep overnight in their parking lots with your vehicle and uh, sometimes has free Wi-Fi. It's a really very well lit area that is in a more populated area. So that's also something that's less commonly known and uh, less glamorous but these are all just and and these are things i mean this isn't the intention of having this really awesome you know digital nomad lifestyle living out of my car in walmart parking lots (laughs) (laughs) no no, not the goal not the goal hashtag life goals these are are things that i pay attention to and that i follow because i want to see how resourceful other people are being i want to see what what resources they're using i want to see how clever they've had to be and you know what they're doing for meals, what they're doing for you know space efficiency, and uh, and then I'm also paying attention to van life, because, the hashtag van life, because a lot of people who are traveling with that fancy glamping van usually have a dog with them, and I'm traveling with a dog, and that throws the whole other nature of curveballs into my travel. I can't just spend half a day sitting in. A, I'm going to say Tim Hortons, not Starbucks. <laughs> for- <laughs> Timmy. Working on their Wi-Fi, hashtag Timmy's, working on their Wi-Fi because I have a dog. So I can't just leave him in a hot car. I can't leave him by himself. So it changes what resources I have available for me to use, uh, depending on where I am. Right. So that brings me to my next question I actually had is for Damien. So as she begins her nomad lifestyle, what's one like golden nugget piece of advice that you would give to help her be as like efficient and successful as possible in this life? Yeah. So uh, I think two things that I've uh, talked to her about is one is uh, less is more. You're really not going to need the things you think you're going to need. And you don't need to buy things until you need them too. There's a Walmart and uh, a camping world really kind of anywhere. So even when I started, there was a long list of things I needed and someone just said, wait till you need it. And so like giving an example, like an extension for my power source, I didn't need... And they're like a hundred bucks. I didn't need until probably my 20th state, you know, and I would have lugged this thing around for 20 states. So that's one piece of advice. The other thing too, is, you know, Amanda and I are a little different in just the way we look and our presence, you know, <laughs> I can be in any situation and be really safe. Amanda, I think can be in any situation and be pretty safe as well too. So my advice to anyone that's using hashtags or life is you got to delay your life a little. You can't be live. You can't be, I'm, look, I'm at this campground right here today. You have to put it like on a 72 hour kind of hold because there are people that, you know, this is, you can look for it. You can find people and, and it makes sense. And I'm, you know, I've talked to her about that and just be, be really safe. But, but this lifestyle, I got to say, is really a very safe lifestyle. As a kid coming from LA, I locked everything. I don't have to lock anything in this lifestyle. I mean, campers, nomaders, they, they look out for each other. They really do. But like anything, there's the one percenters, you know, I mean, you're really just, you know, you're locking, at least I am, these things can be open with a screwdriver. So I'm locking this stuff to keep the honest people honest. You know, it's if someone wants in, they're going to get in my rig, there's nothing I can do about it. So but I haven't seen that element. I haven't seen things stolen or damaged or, you know, even fights or arguments like everyone's really nice. It's really great. I just knocked wood. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah I, okay i didn't know like, someone's at the door i gotta stop talking what does that mean like, to let her good. in yeah so no, that's a great that's a great one less is really more like if you follow me i'm pretty much a white t-shirt guy it just makes life easier there's just things like that that i just got into where it's like i just i want less of this even the equipment i bought i could have bought less the stuff that i needed in and around the reg i could have bought less you know i've got two coffee mugs and so 
you know, I, I can't end up maybe like people at home where they can end up with 20 in the sink and now they have to wash 20, you know, it's that kind of a thing. So less is really more and just be really safe when you're out there, especially on a, a social platform that people might be following you, especially when you're, you're good looking, Amanda, be careful. I'd be fine. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's great advice. I think people get caught up. I mean, like I hate to ever use a Kardashian as an example, but I'm pretty sure that whole thing wouldn't have gone down the way that it did with her getting robbed in, in France if, if she hadn't been so all uh, like on Snapchat constantly, like everywhere she was. So that's great. That's great advice. I'm looking forward to my paparazzi following me everywhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had some paparazzi this weekend. That was pretty cool. <laughs> this is a really good segue into what I wanted to talk about. You talked about 72 hour window, basically, to, you know, for safety purposes. When it comes to, you know, a good amount of content creation on the road, I mean, there's so much potential to do this with that kind of lifestyle and with all, all those places that you see yourself going to. Do you find it more benefiting to do content creation in bulk or to do it in real time? Or is it situational? Damien, what do you think? So for me, I bulked out the road to 300s when I was leaving to Toronto and then knew that I'd be driving to Cleveland and spending time that I didn't want to have to be preoccupied with it, but I still wanted to keep my schedule, which actually got me to the point where this is like, I shot day 181 yesterday. I'm trying to get a couple of days ahead, but I feel like if I was in situations where people could find me, I would, I'd slow it down just a little, put some little time delay on it for sure. But I do feel like, here's the thing really quick. Everyone thinks, oh, if I did that, this is what I'd be doing. And Amanda is an amazing photographer. So she's going to be able to take some epic photos and, and do things that, but it's not really this lifestyle. I mean, like I was in waterfalls in Oregon. My roommates lived here her entire life. She's never been to those waterfalls. You know what I mean? Like you don't need this lifestyle to find amazing spots. There's amazing spots where you live. So you can really create good content. But the other thing is, is that everyone's doing this. If you follow that hashtag van life or digital nomad, everyone gets into this thinking, oh my gosh, I'll be the first bearded six six tatted guy with a hat. And there's like 40 of us. Okay. <laughs> this isn't OG original. So really it's, you got to find a way to be different. Different is better than better. So you just have to find a way to do things differently. And um, that's all I can really suggest. It, it, this lifestyle isn't going to be able to just create cool content for you. You just have to be different for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love what you say about that because I'm starting to see a lot of people that I know, come, you know, starting to do this, this kind of thing too. And I think that being different is, is very important. So Amanda, do you have kind of a thought about what kind of content that you're going to be creating while you're out there? Yeah, I'm basically going to be riding the coattails of my dog who is more awesome. famous than I am and has a bigger following than I do. <laughs> so I, I think I'm just going to be doing a lot of storytelling with the experience of small dog traveling. He garners a lot of attention and I think I'm just going to leverage that. But honestly, from a content creation standpoint, I think creating a combination of a blog and a vlog is the way that I want to tackle this. And I want to be creating content, not just weekly. I think daily is a little too aggressive um, for me, considering that I'm going to spend a lot of time driving and a lot of time in various situations, whether that's, you know, Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi, cell signal, no cell signal. So I think getting myself into a cadence of, you know, at least, you know, two times a week, two to three times a week of producing video content and just keeping everybody updated on the diary of how everything is unfolding, all of the trials and tribulations and challenges, and then keeping it separate from my my general marketing topics. So I do speak a lot on Facebook ads and Facebook Messenger chatbots. And I still want to continue to carve out the time to produce dedicated marketing content that serves the needs of those niches and keep that separate from my, my personal adventure journey. So on a content standpoint, I need to definitely make a game plan and stick to it. And watching Damien on his journey and watching him sort of put that stake in the ground and say, I'm going to make a video every single day and watching how he sticks with it and watching him stick with it, even on days that, you know, any normal human being, especially when he was sick, watching him persevere through all of the ups and downs that this lifestyle can bring and still producing content. So I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think number one, safety, number two, Wi-Fi, number three, comfort of location. And then number four, can I produce content in that location? So I think that's sort of how I'm approaching this, this adventure. 
So so more about, you know, producing content and getting your work done. Do you ever run into challenges with your clients needing you to be available at specific times? Or do you have any tips for people to kind of manage expectations, you know, for their clients? Um, Amanda, you can go first. Yes. So my first tip is fire them. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm looking at that challenge. I'm, I'm trying to schedule everything right now into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday balance of doing any calls, any anytime I need to be sort of dedicated sitting at a desk and in one static bot is going to be sort of jammed into the midweek and then use weekends for travel and managing those expectations. I have actually started to shift. I've been shifting my client work into a different direction for over six months now of getting myself into a point where I'm not on call. I mean, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get me on call. I will have regular scheduled calls with clients and I make every attempt possible. If I need to reschedule, if I know that my timing isn't going to work out, I will reschedule with a lot of advance notice. But just knowing that I'm not putting myself into a working position where they rely on me for anything time sensitive. And in all honesty, that's why I've been shifting down a lot of my real estate client work. Real estate is very heavily tied to, you know, they just scored a property. It's a wonderful property that they want to list. They want to get that inventory up and blasted out as quickly as they can. And sometimes that can happen in bulk. I can get, you know, quite a few properties that have cut, that have been landed and all of them need to get out that week. And it really jammed me up as far as being able to adequately service the clients to the, the level that they deserve and the level that they need. So I realized that doing this nomad lifestyle and having my schedule not work with the needs of their business meant that maybe I need to start shifting into a different direction. So I'm slowly migrating my client base into a different direction and slowly migrating my schedule into a different direction so that I can basically... I know what work I have to get done, not just within a 24-hour period, but sort of in a in, I'd say, like a 48-hour window and knowing that within those two days, I have to get task you know A, B, and C finished. If I do that all in the morning, or if I do that at midnight, it shouldn't matter as long as it gets done. And that's been the real... That has been a challenge because it's not easy to be picky on client work when you need the work. <laughs> so it's been a balance. Yeah. So obviously, I'm a little different in the sense that um, I work for a company, plus I also have my own clients. So I have to balance the two. So let me say this and just what I've learned in the lifestyle. This isn't a direct kind of punch at my company. I feel like most employees should be time nomads anyways. I mean, I'm a sales guy. You shouldn't care if I work at 4 in the morning or I work at 10 in the afternoon. You want me to work when I'm feeling the energy. And if you've ever watched my videos, you know there's times where I record videos because I got to get it done. The energy is not there. And you'll notice times where you know it, it's like, hey, I'm taking a break and I'm going outside. I'm going to shoot it and the energy's there. They're way better videos. So for me, that's the first battle I think all of us need to face. This is educating the people that we work for that my 40 hours doesn't need to be in a row, you know, in a sense. Like I, I could walk, work four tens and be done, or I could work seven days and work six hours a day. It shouldn't matter as long as we're getting the results. The geography side of it, so for me, and again, different than Amanda, I usually travel on the weekends and then I'm stationary kind of throughout the week. So I too really try to put the bulk of my work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it's not just because of the lifestyle, but it's also because most people just don't want to talk on Mondays and Fridays, either getting in or they're trying to get out. And that's the way, you know, Henry Ford screwed us on this five-day week. Nobody should be working a five-day work week. It was a dumb idea then. It's a dumb idea today. And again, I'm not talking about retail. Nobody's living a nomad lifestyle if you're working retail. I'm talking about what job that you just need internet and a phone for. So I usually try to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I have a great little program I use called MixMax. It's easy for me to block kind of my schedule, allow there to be calls when I need calls. People can get schedule something whenever they want to. And on their schedule matches up with mine, time zone. It's really easy to do. But I usually do keep that Monday, Friday pretty blocked up. And I was trying to do 12-hour days for a while with like almost like a three-hour break in the middle to you know get the kayak in the water, take a, a nap if I need to. But it just seemed like no matter what, that's when people are trying to get a hold of me, whether on staff or clients. It's just a weird conundrum. As soon as you walk outside and put a kayak in the water or bite into a burger, that's when someone's trying to get a hold of you. That's true. (laughs) For sure. All right. So we're going to take a little brain break. We're a little over halftime. So we want to ask, we're going to go around the horn. So everybody answer. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? So outside of work, like holiday, you know, what do you, where would you go and why? Everybody's got a bucket list, right? Amanda, what's yours? Kayaking the Grand Canyon. That's a good one. I haven't even been to the Grand Canyon yet. 
That's on my bucket list. And why? Because that's your happy. Uh, I've never been to the Grand Canyon personally. It's just something I've always wanted to do. I've seen, I, I originally wanted to hike the Grand Canyon back in the day, but now that I'm completely obsessed with kayaking, it just seems like that makes more sense. Awesome. What about you, Damien? It's funny. I think Amanda stole it, but whatever. There's actually a 22-day kayak camping trip you can do on the Grand Canyon where basically you're in kayaks and you're going. There's campgrounds set up. There's a big crew that comes with you and cooks the food and does everything for you. And you're just there to camp, which is amazing. Plus, you know what? Anywhere where there's a hut and like clear, clear water and I have the opportunity to jump on a shark, you know, do some white people stuff. <laughs> as all my friends like why would someone want to swim with a shark those are two things that i would i definitely love to do for sure yeah damien because you pick the same thing as me does that mean it's like jinx like you owe me a pop uh i owe you a grand canyon tour at some point <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right i'll go and then uh and then i'll let and then jen and then elizabeth so i have a bucket list about places i want to go i used to when i was on the hamster wheel working for a company and had a really stressful job where it was like, you know, for those who are old enough, Calgon, take me away. Um, kind of moments. I was like, I want to own a bar on a beach and just live on an Island and not have to deal with scheduling anything and dealing with people and whatever, but that's probably not going to happen. So, but in terms of a trip, Maldives is at the top of my bucket list i mean that water like and i picture you know you see the dock that has like huts on it and i want to be like on top of the water and pray that the mosquitoes don't eat me alive <laughs> but that's my that's my thing i friend just went and i saw her pictures i was like oh i gotta go jen what's yours I think that mine would certainly be scotland because it's absolutely gorgeous it's green it's pretty and the people seem fun, and I've just always wanted to go there. Awesome. I'm going to cheat and say Malta because I'm actually going there on Saturday. <laughs> so, like, that's all I can think about. I have vacation mode is coming up. But the reason I'm going there is because I took a Facebook quiz that said, What country should you move to? And that was the answer. So, I'm like, Oh, I got to go check it out because I'm going to move there at some point. So, <laughs> just going to go check it out, let you guys know what I think. If, like, when I'm going to move there, be a nomad from Malta. That's amazing. She also came up with the question. By the way, so now I see. <laughs> now she wanted to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question. Uh, who's the sexiest guy you know with a beard? <laughs> no relation. <laughs> <laughs> on this on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. On this. Who's your favorite guy on this podcast? <laughs> Small dog. Nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> burn. Burn, baby, burn. All right. So moving back, do you think marketing yourself or your business should include the fact that you're a nomad or is it not even worth mentioning? Does it not come into the conversation at all? I don't know, Amanda, this is new for you, but this is something to, that, you know, to consider, right? As you get started, what are your, what are your thoughts? I think, no, I think, I think it depends on who you're talking to and depends on the scenario, but I think that you really do need to operate both of them very independently and make sure that you can build a business, build your own brand. If you're building your own brand and operate a business, regardless of if you're living a digital nomad lifestyle, that can change at the drop of the hat. I mean, I could break my ankle tomorrow and then this whole thing is over. I want to have relationships built on my talent and my skills in business and being able to provide results to clients and being able to do really good work. So my real task is making sure that I can balance that while I'm on the road and not let people down, make sure that I'm setting, setting them up for success and setting me up for success. So I'd say first and foremost, that needs to happen. Secondary to that, if they find out that I'm digital nomading, cool. If I meet people who need my services while I'm digital nomading, double cool. <laughs> right. But yeah. I think business first, digital nomad lifestyle, kind of secondary to that. Right. Damien? I'm the opposite. So I'm in sales and there's so many salespeople trying to break through that this gives me a little bit of an edge. Um, I think in the beginning I was kind of quiet about it, but then once I started, you know, especially when I have to do like one-off emails where it's like, Hey Rick, I'm in Chicago now. And the last time we talked, I was in Minnesota. You know what I mean? So it just, it adds a little kind of a, an interesting edge. Now I'm not in the same position with Amanda where servicing a client could be scary for them. If it's like, wait a minute, I understand you're like on vacation the whole time. So I get Amanda's perspective hundred percent, but from a sales guy, the videos, the I'm in Oregon now, or when I'm doing a call with them and they see my locations different than last time, I can make jokes, you know, witness protection and I'm on the run and it just builds a relationship. <laughs> 
And a lot of people are really interested in this lifestyle, man, to get ready for it. You're going to get a lot of questions, a lot of, I want to know about it. How's it going? And so I get that a lot. It's everyone's dream too, in a sense. Like everyone's like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And, you know, granted, you know, I'll say to you, I've never wanted to do this. You know, I was a single dad with four kids. Like, how do you even, even think this can't even come on your radar? I mean, granted, I want to pack everything in the car and run away from them, (laughs) but I wasn't thinking digital nomad. So this part of it, I actually really liked. And I think it took a little while for even the team that I work with, for them to kind of embrace that this is actually a really good thing that I can talk about and use kind of as a, a way to get in. And especially when they're like, oh, I'm in, you know, wherever I'm in this part of Montana. I was like, Oh, I was there in October. I really enjoyed this. Like I can talk about things. Normally the city LA kid couldn't talk about because I just never stepped out of LA for 40 years. I I like how you're telling me, you know, Amanda, get ready for it. You're going to get a lot of questions. The first thing that popped into my head is like, Ooh, I'll have a chat bot for that. (laughs) There (laughs) we go. Ding, ding. (laughs) And and Amanda, just so you know, because you are a single female doing this solo, you will get a lot of questions. There's a lot of women that want to do this that think they can't because of that. And obviously I've seen a lot of people in this space that are single females that are doing it solo and it, it's completely doable. Like, and so you'll get a lot of those questions because you'll be the second degree of separation of someone they know and wanting to know how is this possible? And yeah, obviously yours is going to be a hybrid of, you know, Airbnbs, hotels, campgrounds, tents, that kind of stuff. But it just gives people the idea that they can do this if they want to. They don't need, like she talked about earlier, you really don't need the expensive rig. You can live the nomad lifestyle whether car, van, rig, whatever. There are people, I like see people do it on boats and airplanes and I'm like, holy crap, that'd be amazing too. So there's really no wrong way of doing it. That's for sure. Unless you end up on Dateline and then, yeah, it was the wrong way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think to your point, Damien, about you know get, getting to the point where there will be people that will ask me a lot of questions on how I'm doing this. I think that sparks in my mind that I should be just keeping on top of keeping my vlog and my blog on, you know, what I'm doing. I think I should just be keeping sort of like a little cheat sheet record blog on, you know, here are the resources I needed, or here's what, here are the challenges that I had come up against and just create my own little catalog, my own little book. So when it right. comes to the point of being able to provide that advice or that help, I can, I can be a resource yeah. because, through experiencing this. And yeah, refer and also them to, to this podcast, right? You're going to refer them to this podcast, have them listen to this. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> the other thing too is, I mean, obviously 25 states and probably four cities on average in states, four cities you've never heard of. And people, you know, like, oh, I was in Texas. Where were you? You're going to have to learn kind of the geography of the main city that you were nearby, but you're going to forget these things and it becomes frustrating. So I just go to my notes when they really have to know, but most people aren't really that interested, you know? And so just know that that can be really kind of time consuming in a way too, where it's like, oh, have you ever been to Idaho? And it's like, no, not yet. Well, if you do, you need to come and it's, you know, hundred places which is great, but it's not always the best place in those states to visit. So something I've started doing is I use Nimble as a CRM. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is when I network with people online, I'll add them into my Nimble and I'll add tags to that person on where they are geographically. So that where, you know, depending on where I'm traveling, I'll be able to search that geographical area and see who I have in my network that's in that area. And same idea when people are, are lobbing out those suggestions of like, oh, you're going to come through Alberta. You need to come to this place. And same, like you were saying, like this little nondescript town that nobody outside of Alberta has ever heard of. Right. Um, making sure I, I make those notes and, and start to collect that information now. And just as a warning and a heads up, if you are on my social networks and you've put your hand up at any point in time saying, oh, you need to come and visit us in blah, blah, blah. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Or I'll give you a heads up. If I say it and I'm in your area and I don't visit you, please don't get mad at me. Don't hate me because I was close by and I didn't figure out how to make time to visit you. Like that that stuff, I forget about it too. I don't have the nimble where I can check in, you know, go to my Tinder and be like, all right, here's who, who's close by. I'm just kidding. Is that even an option? I don't know. Ladies, <laughs> is that an option? Can you do location-based Tindering? No? All right. So, but I just don't get mad when that happens too. Like that's the thing where people get really offended when you're nearby and you didn't stop by and see them like that's weird i was in wichita yesterday i didn't see anyone you didn't no you are so lying don't even say that <laughs> it's just not nice damien <laughs> so um i know you're going to answer wichita here <laughs> damien i would love to know from you what stop have you made along your digital nomad journey that has produced the most memorable and um, beneficial experience for your personal brand wow that's a good one. You know, I did a trip in June, Road to Social, and uh, changed my life. 
Yeah. <laughs> swear to God. So, and it was a fun one because, you know, that was the one where it was, you know, small vehicles and hotels and, you know, not really knowing where we're going and wasn't all planned out and kind of going from the flow. And, you know, it just was different than anything I've done where usually it's really structured. And, you know, it was with people I didn't really even know that much. You know, my, my relationships with them, uh, take Brian Fanzo was on the trip. I probably spent maybe 15 minutes with him in real life and maybe a couple hours online. And then instantly we meet at the airport. We have to take a $150 Uber ride, you know, together. And we just become, <laughs> I mean, instantly the best of friends. And then just from a location base, West Virginia, I don't know what about it. I can't put my finger on it. People ask me about it, but there was such like Damien Ross was in peace, like in a way that I just, you know, you, like I'll share some stuff. So, you know, when I was in my teens and my twenties, I carried a gun. I thought I was a gangster. You know what I mean? I thought I was going to be tough. And you lived in an environment that was scary as can be. And to be in an area like that, where everyone sounds like Zig Ziglar and, you know, it's just really great families and kids and people are inviting you to barbecues. And it's just, there's something about it that was so different than my upbringing that I just really fell in love with West Virginia when I was there. That's awesome. What about you, Amanda? Well, I'm just starting my journey. So I'm very excited to see where this is going to take me. I have the benefit right now of sort of having lived 50% of the time in Northern Ontario. Well, it's, it's actually Central Ontario, but we call it Northern Ontario up in the bush, like in cottage country, surrounded by trees, lakes, moose, deer, and, you know, just the, the mosquitoes, seeing the stars at night, hearing the loons call, um, having like, really, really, really cold, crisp winter nights where it's complete dead silent and just sparkling and beautiful. So that's 50% of my life. The other 50% is, you know, right downtown Toronto in the financial district, right in the hustle and bustle of everything. And, you know, being able to be a little urban traveler, knowing how to some street start street smarts to me, be able to nimbly get in and out of places and, you know, get around the city, have no problem with traffic. And, you know, so I have the benefit of having lived my life in both sides. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not going into this completely blind, you know, from a small town perspective, literally middle of nowhere perspective, or, you know, right downtown in the heart of a really busy urban city. So I feel like I've got the benefit of both sides. And I realize that I have done a lot of traveling. I've been coast to coast in Canada. Previously, I've been through some of the, the states. I've been, I've been abroad. But I'm really just looking forward to taking everything I know and throwing it out the window. Wow. And opening myself to all of these new experiences that are just waiting. So brave. <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is a little bit, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And it sounds like you've got the skills required to be that versatile too, which is really important. So we talked a little bit, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. We were talking about kind of, you know, hours that you're on and available to clients and you guys had some, you know, kind of good tips, uh, Damien, talking about you know, like what 40 hours, you know, are you working? Uh, what I've struggled with is, you know, having a paperless office, right? Where you are mobile, you have everything, you know, not only just online, right? But probably on multiple devices. I mean, at this point, it's pretty safe to say you can do everything you need to do on your phone, right? You almost don't even need like a laptop, right? So, but that also means because it's your phone, like the, this is what I struggle with. Like I'm always on, right? Like I kind of, you're always working. And so what tips do you guys, you know, have for that? It sounds like obviously, you know, trying to put the kayak in the water, right? Like at certain times, like, sounds like you guys have some good tips for kind of keeping that balance. But uh, yeah, Amanda, why don't you go first? The big turning point for me was getting an iPad with the GoodNotes app and the Apple Pencil. So I, I have all my notes, like actual like writing with almost like you're writing with a pen or pencil, writing all of my notes that way and being able to draw out my notes, draw out my brainstorms. I used to be really heavy into using literally pet like pencils and paper. I'd carry around sharpeners and pencils. I like pencils. I like the I like the tactile feeling of being able to scribble out and map out ideas, especially when it comes to chatbots and building out these big puzzle pieces and these flows. I need to write stuff down. I can't do this whole digital lifestyle without being able to just write stuff down fluidly. So that was a big game changer for me at getting rid of sticky notes, getting rid of notepads, getting rid of any paper and being able to do it completely digitally and then share all of those files back and forth. I live and breathe off of Dropbox. That's you know cloud storage for everything. I have had to replace my computer more than once. I've had, <laughs> you know, with all of my technology, every ounce of the technology I own could get thrown into a lake tomorrow. And I can just open up brand new technology and just keep working with business continuity without missing a beat. 
And I've had to structure it that way purposely because technology does fail and you can't afford for it to, to fail when you're, when you're working remotely and working without a home base. Well, everyone should have that situation anyway, but most people don't, <laughs> right? It's too easy when you don't have, when you're not forced to rely on other resources, it's too easy just to keep continuing on with your, your existing habits. Yeah. So how do you keep yourself from working all the time, right? So knowing that you've got all this stuff, you know, and it's like always kind of at your fingertips, like how do you create that? You know, I don't want want to use the word balance, but you know, how do you make sure that you're not just always working? For me, unfortunately, the nature of what I do gets really heavy into analytics and really heavy into a lot of data. And I do get to the point where I burn out. I just throughout the day, I'll work really, really hard. Actually, that's a lie. Throughout the day, I daydream and I do all sorts of other things. At nighttime, that's when my brain comes alive. And that's where I get the majority of my work done. I can just power through you know, from 8 p.m. until 3 in the morning without taking washroom breaks and just go, 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 go. And thank God I have a dog that will nudge, nudge me on the arm to remind me that, hey, it's time to feed me or hey, it's time to take me out or hey, it's time for bed. But I get on a roll that way. But then I hit sort of brain exhaustion. And that's where I just flip the switch. I'll veg out with some Netflix for a little bit to try and clear my brain podcasts and, uh, and kayaking. Kayaking is my real, oh gosh, that's my reset. It used to be the gym. I used to be a gym rat. I used to be in the gym six days a week, two to three hours a shot. And that was overkill and I was un- I was I was a gym rat that was so unhealthy because I was in the gym so much and but that was my therapy that was my downtime that was my quiet time where I didn't have to talk to people but I was still surrounded by people and now kayaking has replaced that a little bit more balance in that lifestyle I have honestly I found that with the nature of what I do and how often I'm on a screen, I've had to find hobbies that do not involve a screen. And it's really hard with my photography. I really love photography, but I like not only just taking the photos, but I like post-processing and using Photoshop and doing edits. And that's all on a screen. So it's very hard for me to have a digital hobby in a digital workspace and trying to still balance the love for both of those. So that's where kayaking has really helped bridge that gap. Yeah, I think for me, I like the idea of, I wish, because I'm not client-based, I wish my employer understood that I'm always available, so I should always be having fun too. You know what I mean? In the sense that there's got to be that yin to the yang. And I, I think they do to an extent. It's hard for anyone. I feel like I want to live on the East Coast because I'm not a morning person. And then at least I can live on the East Coast, but work West Coast hours. So you know, by the time it's 11, right. it's like 8 a.m. starting. I think it's just better for me and, and just who I am that even when I'm on the West Coast, I should start about 11 and work till 8. I'm the same as Amanda. A lot of my great kind of fun ideas come at midnight, one in the morning, two. And again, I'll drop the mix max. I love that I can schedule out my email for eight in the morning the next day. I'm not emailing my clients at, you know, midnight. And I love that aspect of it, but it's just the balance of it. It's the, the trust of it. You know, that or when I heard of companies or it's like unlimited vacation or, you know, pick your hours or just get your 40 in. I'm a sales guy. If I'm not working my 40 plus, I'm not getting paid. I'm not making deals. So it's just as much of my advantage to make sure I'm doing it where it makes the most sense. And I think that's the hard part. Finding personal time. I, you know, what's weird is I don't really see being away from my phone or being on my phone as all work, I have to get away from my phone just to have personal time. Like that's the hardest thing. I don't know if you've ever accidentally lost your phone and just what your body goes through when you're feeling that. I'm like, yeah. this is wrong. <laughs> this, I lost a child once in a grocery store and it didn't feel this severe. You know what I'm like? This is just, <laughs> I, I believe I it. Sure, it's for. So for me, it's more learning how to put the phone down. I make this little joke where I take mental pictures. I've stopped taking real photos and I've tried to take mental photos when I'm in these situations. And as much as I have these amazing sunsets and adventures, I try to keep them to myself. You know, it's just weird. Like, you know, I had a weird situation in San Diego where the ocean is really different for me. It's, uh, it means something and it's a weird kind of like, I don't necessarily need to share it with the world. You know, it means something to me privately and differently. And so that's the hard part for me is just to learn how to check out from everything and just focus Focus on this amazing place that I'm at and the people that I'm with and focus on them. And that's been the biggest challenge. That's great. Yeah, I think I've been kind of trying to do something similar. That's ringing some bells for me. I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that's I, I feel the same way. I've noticed that over the last few weeks, the same thing. Like there are some things that you just need to internalize and think of and think through and appreciate and not everyone needs to know about it. So Penny, you know, I've started to see a lot of people that I know personally in my own network 
kind of chop the limbs and decide to go out on their own digital nomad or, you know, camper life and those kinds of things. A lot of people are starting to do that. I'm starting to see a lot of people that I know personally starting to do this. So I would like to know what each of you think has inspired this kind of movement to start happening. Damien, what do you think? I think it's expenses. So for me, you know, I'm Los Angeles native. This is a really huge drop in what it costs me to live, believe it or not. I think a lot of people say they can't do this because they can't afford it. You know, I've got a senior in private school that I wouldn't be able to pay for if I was living in California. I've got a son that's, you know, playing college basketball that's living in a basketball apartment that he'd be living with me, you know, if I was in California. He wouldn't be having those experiences. I would definitely not be getting debt free. Raising four kids on your own financially can add a ton of debt. And I did that for 14 years. So for me, you know, it was all those things. Plus, I'm a little different in the sense that I knew I wanted to get out of California. I just didn't know where I wanted to go. And I had a best friend that had the same thing. She wanted to go to California. She didn't know where she wanted to go. And we can't even tell you where this idea really came out of. But at some point, we're at an RV show. And a couple of weeks later, we're behind an RV. And we're like in a fifth wheel. And we're doing a launch date of June. I mean, it went from October to June like that. From awesome. concept to... That is- yeah, it went really fast and selling everything, quitting jobs, saving up money and going. But it is, it's it's a big drop in what my expenses were. It, it's literally half of what it was costing. And then it's half of that. And then I get to divide that with a roommate. So it's really made financial freedom in a way that I just never expected. And then two, you know, once you get out of California, stuff's affordable. You know, I, in California, it's a $60 beard trim. In Alabama, it's five bucks. Wow stuff like that. So (laughs) that's pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. (laughs) What do you think, Amanda? What's inspiring people to to take this leap and go on the road? I honestly, I can't speak for other people. And I I don't think I can predict what other people are experiencing. I just know from my own personal experience that I had to figure out the hard way that I'm not very good at the office life. I'm not good at playing the, the politics. I'm not good at climbing the corporate ladder. Actually, I am good at climbing the corporate ladder. I just don't love it. I don't like it. And I've done it for so long. And I've learned that I am my best self. I am my best person when I'm just given, like, when you let go of the reins, you just give me some budget and you let me run and do what I love to do. When I'm passionate, when I'm lit up, when I'm excited, I can dance circles around accomplishing what I want. When I'm tired, when I'm beat down, when I'm not put into an area where I can thrive, then it, it's suffocating. And I did it for so long and I knew it wasn't the right fit for me. And I just thought I just thought the jobs weren't the right fit for me. So I kept hopping to different jobs and then realizing that no, it's the lifestyle that doesn't fit me. So this hasn't this isn't something that I've just come up with overnight. I'm three and a half years into leaving my corporate job lifestyle and three and a half years into running my own business. Well, sorry, three and a half years into struggling as an entrepreneur, learning how to run a business. (laughs) And it's been worth every single second because it's a journey that I love and I enjoy. And I have so much respect for my own self-respect now compared to whereas when I was in a job, in a corporate job, I would beat myself up because I just felt like I was being so unsuccessful all the time. And it was just very, very difficult. Life just felt so difficult. I just felt like I didn't fit. I didn't fit into showing up at 9am. I didn't fit into the job description. I didn't fit into the groups of people that are your fellow employees. I just didn't fit anywhere. So by removing myself from trying to fit and just doing made a lot more sense. And this lifestyle wasn't something that I just, you know, went, I'm going to be a digital nomad. It didn't, it didn't go (laughs) that way, but I have, I've laid the groundwork very purposefully at building a business where I'm not tied to any one location, building a business where I can work from online, work from anywhere. And it's taken a lot of time to get myself to the point where I can make this decision and make it with full confidence, knowing, you know, eyes wide open what I'm walking into. It's not glamorous, but it me. It's not a good fit for everybody. In fact, I would say it's not a good fit for the majority of people. I feel like I've earned my stripes with making sure that I've tried everything I possibly can with you know regular jobs, with working remote, with starting my business, with shifting the business into online, full paperless everything, learning how to support clients, learning where my own pitfalls are, which is a very big component of this, and and learning where I can be successful and what makes me happy. Bottom line, you know, what makes you happy? Exactly. So. That is so powerful. I think it's awesome that you found that, Amanda. I'm excited to see where you go with it because I know it's just the beginning. I am so excited to see what happens on this. It's going to be cool. You and yeah. I both will have to have a follow-up. 
I'll have you on one of our lives later on in the year and you can on our shorter mid-month show and you can give us the scoop. Hopefully at that point, I won't be fully homeless and living under a bridge. Oh, I highly doubt that, Amanda. (laughs) So on that note, I wanted to have you guys tell our listeners how they can find you, where they can find you, what's the best. And of course, Damien, I want you to, we touched on road to 300, but just get real quick what exactly that is and how people can check it out. Yeah. So as a sales guy, you know, uh, I'm also consider myself to be somewhat creative and funny and I just needed an outlet. I was spending most of my time in Salesforce and GDocs and there's just nothing creative and funny about that. So I challenged myself too on a discipline to create 300 videos within a year. And so far I'm 181 days for 181 days. So I'm really kind of re amping the goal to do 365 in 365. So the road to 300 has to do with three goals that I want to hit at 300. That's all it is. A lot of people think it has to do with the videos, which is fine. They can think what they want, but now it's trying to do a video every day. You can find it YouTube. You can just search Damien Ross, which is spelled funky, D-E-M-I-A-N-R-O, Sam Sam, S-S, and Facebook, everywhere else. It's just at Damien Ross. So Twitter, Instagram, and I, I post it all there, but YouTube's really the place to kind of play with these videos, I think, and then obviously Facebook. And that's where I'm doing that. So awesomeness. That's me. Yeah. That's how to find me. You can find me on Facebook, my website, socialsavvysociety.com. And Facebook is really the best place to connect with me. Facebook, Social Savvy Society. And uh, you can find me on most other channels at She Wakeboards. Yeah, because she, she used to be a professional. She's pretty badass. I used to run a water ski and wakeboard school and I used to do little small wakeboard competitions. Wakeboarding is something that's still one of my first passions. My ankle injury doesn't really let me do it anymore. So I've replaced that with kayaking, but actually kayaks just didn't have the same ring to it. Right. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you both. I think that our listeners will get a lot of insight into whether this is something for them or not. And I think you're both pretty amazing in all that you do and who you are. So thank you for being our guests on episode 21. Thanks also to my co-hosts, Jen and Elizabeth, of course, as always, rock stars. So this has been episode 21 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>